If you had asked me when I was 10 years old, what's the last book in the Bible? I would have told you with all confidence, with absolute certainty, I would have told you that the last book in the Bible is Proverbs. And the reason I would have told you that is that was the last book in my Bible. When I was 10 years old, I got my Gideon's New Testament from the Gideons with Psalms and Proverbs in the back. And I was convinced that's how the Bible went. Proverbs was back there. I got this when I was 10, and I, I, I tried to read it. But between the, the King James language was really hard for me to understand, and the, the pages are really thin, and the print's really small, and to be honest, there's no pictures in here. That made it very difficult to read. But somehow I thumbed my way back to the Proverbs and something stuck, something connected when I got to the Proverbs. These short little sentences that you read here, these quick little reads, they're easy to remember and they spoke to me. And something told me that these words are important. This is, this is wisdom. This is valuable. My first memory verse. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 11. As a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. I love that. Ten-year-old boys. They love dogs. And they love anything gross. You've sold me. This is a valuable book. And, and someone just gave this to me? That was amazing. I, on my own memorized that verse. I repeated it over and over again until I had it and the King James language down. I tried to work it into conversations. What's that dog over there doing? Well, as you know, Proverbs 26.11 says, as a dog returneth. I was convinced this was, this was genius. These these short statements, something in Proverbs caused me to try to find ways to make the Bible fit my life. These short statements opened, uh, the, opened up for me to see the Word of God as relevant, as meaningful, as alive for me. Billy Graham was famously known for saying that he read every day, he read five Psalms and one chapter of the Proverbs. He read the five Psalms, keep himself right with God. He read the one chapter of Proverbs to keep himself right with other people. You know, if you do that, you read through both of those books in a month. There's 31 chapters in the, in the Proverbs. You'll make it through in a 31-day month. Proverbs chapter 1 tells us the purpose of the Proverbs. By the way, if you want to follow along in those blue Bibles, we have there for you again in the pews. We're going to be on page 527 today in those Bibles. Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse 2, tells us the purpose of the Proverbs. To know wisdom and instruction. To understand words of insight. To receive instruction in wise dealings, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple. Knowledge and discretion, discretion to the youth. That's the purposes of the Proverbs. Wisdom, instruction, Wise dealings, justice, and equity. Treating people right. That's to tell us how to know how to live with others. Righteousness. That tells us how to live with God. Prudence to the simple. That's, that's for me. 
Knowledge and discretion for the youth. The Proverbs tell us how to live with ourselves. Proverbs come with promises. Promises of wisdom. Promises of clarity. Promises of blessing. But you know, those, those promises don't come just from having them somewhere in your Bible, whether in the middle or all the way at the end. Those promises don't even come from just reading a chapter a day. That's not how you get those promises. The promises come from hearing the Proverbs. From hearing them in very personal ways. Hearing the voice of the One who seeks the very best for you. At the heart of the Proverbs, you find wisdom. And wisdom wants to be heard. We're going to be looking at verses 20 through 33 here in Proverbs chapter 1 today. Again, page 527. One of the interesting elements that you have all the way through the book of Proverbs is that wisdom is personified. Wisdom is not presented in Proverbs as simply a concept. Wisdom is not presented as a, as a virtue or as a quality of life that you may or may not possess. Wisdom is given personality in Proverbs. Wisdom is given a presence and a voice. And it's interesting, ladies, that in Proverbs, wisdom is always presented in the feminine. Interesting, isn't it? She is a, she is a lady. Proverbs is a lady. And she longs to be heard. She is calling to us. And you hear that call. You hear her call from the very beginning of the passage. Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse 20. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the market, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. And what you can't miss is there's no hiding her message. Wisdom wants to be heard. She cries loudly and she cries out in locations where everyone should be able to hear her. She raises her, no her voice above the roar of the noisy streets. She speaks out loudly in the marketplace. The marketplace where goods and services are exchanged. Where money is exchanged. Also, the marketplace is where ideas are exchanged. Where we come to understand one another better. She speaks out at the city gates. At the city gates in those days, that's where the rulers sat. That's where the leaders of the city would sit. That's where they would make their judgments and they would make their decisions there. Wisdom is found in public places. And she wants to be heard. Now we're going to be spending time in Proverbs all through the summer. And as we do that, there's a few things I want you to keep in mind. There's, there's about three things I want you to remember. And we'll come back to these several times as we're, as we're going through Proverbs. These are foundational ideas. And I don't want you to forget them. And the first one is this. Proverbs was not written for you. And Proverbs was not written for me. It's right there at the very beginning of the book. If you look in verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, and then skip on down to verse 8, Hear, my son, your father's instructions, and forsake not your mother's teaching. When Proverbs was first assembled, it was assembled for the ruling class. It was to train the children of the ruling class, the, the kings and others. It was to train their children so that they might be able to rule well. And that really didn't work out for them. Because 
Israel is led away into captivity. Judah is led away into captivity. They are gone for, for years, for decades. 70 years, surely, by the way. Uh, and when they come back home, someone, maybe Ezra, someone like him, or a group of people, begin assembling the Word of God again and putting it together. And at that point, somebody who knows who, stumbles across the Proverbs that were just for the wealthy, just for the leaders, and they said, everyone needs this. And so you and I, in our Bible today, which has kind of been assembled from those Bibles of the past, you and I, our Bibles include Proverbs. My little Bible that the Gideons gave me when I was 10 includes Proverbs because someone said this should not be reserved just for the rulers, just for the people in charge. Everyone needs to know these words. Of course, the question is, are we listening? Are you and I listening? You notice from just these first two verses, 20 and 21, it's not about reading your Bible. In fact, where is wisdom found in these verses? Well, wisdom is found in the markets. Wisdom is found in the streets. Wisdom is found at the city gates. It never mentions reading your Bible. It never mentions reading... The Word, it talks about reading your world. Are you listening for wisdom when you're out in the world? Are you listening for wisdom at the city gates or in the noisy streets? Are you judging the things that you hear in the world by the standard of wisdom that God gave us? Or are you judging by your own standard? Are you simply reacting to your world? Or are you listening to God's wisdom? Wisdom wants to be heard. And as we listen to her, wisdom promises her presence. She cries out in the streets. And what is she crying? If you go on to verses 22 and 23, wisdom is crying out, How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out My Spirit to you. I will make My words known to you. I want you to notice these are conditional statements. They come on conditions of our listening. They're not blanket promises. They require something of us. We have to listen. If we listen, she will turn. If we turn, and if we respond. Verse 23, If you turn at My reproof, I will pour out My Spirit on you. In other words, if you listen to wisdom, you get more wisdom. You get more of her presence. And can we just confess that a lot of what we listen to these days doesn't really count as wisdom? Wisdom cries out in the noisy streets where people assemble, where people want to be heard. You find those noisy streets online these days. The noisy streets are Facebook, they're Twitter, they're, they're those forums. And what you hear crying out there is, is far too often not wisdom. What you hear crying out there is opinion, or worse, rumor, or worse, falsehood, or fake news, or conspiracy. And as you listen to those things that are being shouted, all they do is they, they seem to stir up more trouble. They seem to stir up more division. They seem to just stir people up. Things just seem to go from bad to worse when you listen to those. Read and listen as much as you want to those sources, and it's never going to turn into wisdom. 
It's never going to someday just all of a sudden be right and be wisdom. You're never going to find the promise of her presence. When we come to Proverbs, as we're going to look at Proverbs this summer, we're going to be specifically focusing on those little one-sentence Proverbs that happen a little later in the book. Those little one-sentence sayings that we find in Proverbs. Short sentences, that's all we're calling it. Short sentences, long remembered. Uh, they are easy to remember. They are easy to recall. Like Proverbs 23.11, as a dog returneth. You know, those, those little sayings, they're easy for us to remember. Because you see, Proverbs is not simply meant to be read. You don't just read it and go on. They're short like that because they're intended to live inside you. They're intended to be mulled over, to be thought about. You've got to chew on a proverb a while. You've got to meditate on a proverb. You've got to let them live in you. Proverbs 19, verse 11 Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is to his glory to overlook an offense. Well, I read that, and it makes sense to me. Good sense makes one slow to anger. Okay, I get it. But what if I chew that over for a few days? What if I think about that for a while? What if I come back to that proverb when I am not being slow to anger? It's going to make me confront my good sense. What if I come back to that proverb when I've been offended. Good sense makes one slow to anger and it is to His glory to overlook an offense. Isn't that going to make me choose something differently when I've been offended, when someone has hurt me? I think it should. I think it should live in us a while. If I just read it, I get it, okay? I understand. But when I live with that proverb, I let it live in me, it, see how it changes you. See how it changes your interactions with others. See how it changes your reactions, your attitudes, your heart towards others. See how wisdom promises her presence with you. But the question is, are we listening? Again, verse 23 if you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my Spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Are we willing to turn? Are we willing to make course corrections? Are we willing to adjust our attitudes every now and then? Because wisdom is not going to adjust for us. We are going to have to adjust for her. Wisdom wants to be heard. Wisdom promises her presence, but only if we listen only if we're letting her speak to our hearts, speak to our needs, because if we ignore her, we run the risk of losing her. You see, wisdom doesn't just promise her presence. Wisdom also gives us a warning. Wisdom warns that if we ignore her, she will stop speaking to us. If we ignore wisdom, she just stops talking to us. She promises if we turn, she will pour out her Spirit on us. But what if we don't turn? What if we refuse to listen? What then? Well, go on to verse 24. Because I have called and you refused to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then you will call on me, but I will not answer. You will seek me diligently, but I, you will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. 
would have none of my counsel and despised all of my reproof. It's not just that wisdom stops speaking to us. Wisdom speaks out against us. Wisdom judges us by her standard and wisdom ends up mocking us. Wisdom points to the people who refuse to listen and says, that's what happens when you don't hear me. You play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. And you know who says the same thing? Jesus. Jesus says the same thing about His parables. By the way, if you look at the definition of the word parable, it can also be defined as a proverb. Parables are a type of proverb, and we hear them very similarly. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells the parable of the sower, the sower who goes out to sow, and there's different kinds of soil. And when He gets done, the disciples say, why are you telling us these things? Why are you saying these things in parables? And in Matthew 13, 13, Jesus says, this is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand. Those who have turned their hearts away from wisdom are never going to understand this. In fact, when He concludes the parable in verse 9, He says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the fact is, not everyone has ears to hear. And if you stop listening, you stop hearing. And the parables and the Proverbs stop speaking to you. Sometimes they stop speaking to us. Sometimes we stop listening. And sometimes the problem is we don't know how to listen to Proverbs. Sometimes we just don't know how to listen to a proverb. And this is one of the things we need to understand. Proverbs are not like other parts of the Bible. You cannot read a proverb the way you read Paul's letter to the Galatians. It's not the same thing. Not the same kind of literature. You can't read Proverbs the way you read history like in the book of Acts. Not the same thing. Or the Gospels. Other than the, other than the, the, the parables that you can't compare and you can't read them with the, in the same way. And here's a principle you've got to remember. Proverbs are, I call them truisms. They are true until they're not. Okay? Proverbs are true until they're not. In other words, don't push a proverb too far. Don't make it be something it's never promised to be. All things being perfect. In a perfect world, all things being equal, the proverbs work. But we don't live in a perfect world. And all things are not equal. How many parents have read Proverbs 22.6? Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And how many parents have read that and thought, what did I do wrong? I sure thought I trained that child up the way they should go. Took him to church, Sunday school, prayed before meals. We did all the right things. Said our prayers before, before bedtime. And that child has departed from the way they should go. How many parents have looked at that proverb and taken it as absolute truth that it has to work and thought, I'm a failure. Or worse, thought, well, if that part wasn't true, then why should I believe the rest of this book? Why should I think that any of this is true? Proverbs offer principles for us to live by. Accept them for what they are. Don't push them. Don't make them be more than they're promising to be. And for those who refuse to listen, <laughs> those who refuse to listen get promises too. Verse 
31. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. The fruit of their way? Well, we like the word fruit. Fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We love that. That's not this. This is the fruit of their way. The fruit of the Spirit is produced by a life that is turned to God. This is the fruit of their own way. The fruit of, the, of what happens when you turn away from wisdom. They have their own fill of their they have their fill of their own devices not wisdom not a fill of wisdom not a fill of her blessings not a fill of her presence but more of who they are and the question for us is are we listening because you see if you listen to wisdom listen to wisdom and let her promises live in you and you hear that as we wrap up the passage verse 20 verse 32 and 33 for the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. You know, it's, it's not so much about what wisdom promises here as it is about what wisdom promises here in your hearts. Wisdom promises peace, that you will be without ease, without dread of disaster. Verse 33, whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. You know, I can't hear that without hearing something of Jesus in it. Without hearing something of Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, the very last verse in that book. Surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, somewhere in the last 40 plus years, I finally figured out that Proverbs is not the last book of the Bible, by the way. I finally figured that out. Proverbs is not the last book of the Bible, and I've also learned in that time that Proverbs is not God's final word on wisdom, nor is it his final promise of his presence. 1 Corinthians, Paul's writing to a church that seems to lack a lot of wisdom. They're doing a lot of things wrong. They're fighting with each other. They're allowing sin to continue. They are, they are not sure how to worship. They're not sure who's in charge. They don't know what love's all about. They don't know how to do anything. Let me, I want to read a little bit more of that than I had intended to. I want you to hear these words from Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Listen to what he says to this church. He says, For consider your calling, brothers, not many of you were wise. <laughs> Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful or were of noble birth. Who were the Proverbs originally written to? Those of noble birth. That's who they were promises to. But God chose what is foolish in the world. That's me. That's you, right? right? We're all, I'm the only one with my hand up, but I'm going to trust you guys are with me on that. Thank you, Amy. I feel less alone now. God shows what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God shows what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God shows what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being may boast in the presence of God. And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. Christ Jesus became wisdom 
from God. Wisdom personified. Not a faceless woman crying out in the marketplace, but a Savior that you know and a Savior who knows you. And so we can't encounter the book of Proverbs this summer without also encountering Jesus. And as we take this journey together, my ultimate prayer is that you see Him more clearly. You see Christ more clearly as the One who loves us, who guides us, who models wisdom for us, and who cries out to us again and again, hear me, hear my words for you, hear my promises for you, and I will be with you always to the end of the age. We're going to encounter Him in just a moment through our communion time. If you would get those ready, we'll be taking this here very, very soon. Another way of us encountering our Savior. I'm going to pray, we'll sing together, and then we'll take the Lord's Supper. Let's pray. Father, wisdom cries aloud. We read those words. Wisdom cries aloud in the streets, in the marketplaces, in the, at the city gates. Lord, every place where we ought to be listening, wisdom is there. I pray that we have ears to hear. And Father, as we prepare our hearts to take this, I pray we have hearts to receive. Christ promises, Jesus promises to meet us here in this time. Bless this time as we come to Him. As we offer Him our hearts, as we offer Him our, uh, our minds, as we offer to Him, as we, as we offer to receive Him and His wisdom into us, and as we receive His promises. Not just for us, but for a world of people out there who desperately need to know there's a Savior who loves them. Bless the cup that represents His blood shed for us. Bless the bread that represents His body broken. And draw us to You uh, even as we come together to share this meal. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.